Welcome to Aphesis Church Podcast Channel. If you're in Columbia, South Carolina area, we would love to get to know you better and for you to experience what Aphesis is all about. If you would like more information about us, please visit our website at aphesischurch.com. It is our prayer that this message truly speaks to you. God bless. Your hands, your voice, amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. We love you. We worship you. We appreciate you, God. Amen. We are here because of you. Amen. 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 A church beyond these four walls. Yes. Yes. Amen. I'm looking forward to this year as well. You know, I, I believe when we, when, when we become that type of church, um, and as we endeavor to do that this year, I, I do believe that God is going to bless because that's what he intended for us to be in the first place. Yes. Yes. Amen. It's a church beyond the walls, uh, a mobile church, a moving church, a church who is involved in the community. Amen. And in, in different ways, varying ways. Um, amen. But God's going to have his way if we allow him to. Amen. Amen. It's a little caveat, a little disclaimer, a little fine print. God's going to have his way if we allow him to. Amen. You can be seated. I am. Um, amen. I'm just really thankful this morning. And if I'm being totally transparent, uh, I feel inadequate this morning, amen, uh, to deliver this word. And, and, and I'll go ahead and tell you there's no pomp or frill. Um, for some of you, there may not be any deep revelations, uh, amen. But I do believe that, amen, after, as Pastor said, you know, just being instant in season and in season and out of season, um, you know, it is possible to have a, a, a consistent and constant discussion with God. Yes. Did you know that? <laughs> Amen. It's not, um, I know that, and, and I love Stephen's testimony this morning. I know that sometimes life can be busy. Um, the Bible tells me to pray without ceasing. And for me, what I've come to understand that to mean is, you know, outside of, a, of building an altar and getting on my knees and praying and, and being intentional, and those moments are important. Don't get me wrong. Those moments are, are, are necessary for our lives. Um, it is possible to pray without ceasing. That's right. Yeah, that's right. Where you're just in constant contact with God. Amen. In constant communication with God. Yes. You're talking to him and he's talking to you. Yes. It's possible. Do you believe that, church? Amen. And so when you get a call on a Friday evening, amen, to, to preach um, as a minister, you, you're ready. It, it, and, um, you know, I, I don't, don't feel inadequate because I don't feel like I don't have a word. I just feel inadequate because of the season I'm in currently. And... Um, you know, I don't really have the words for it this morning. Um, slightly. Uh, that's not the whole truth. I think that I think God kind of gave me a little bit of revelation this morning, actually, <laughs> in the 10 a.m. hour. Um, I think what I have is peace. Yeah. 
And that's strange for me because I'm used to just doing and doing everything. And, and you know, putting my hands to the plow, doing the work, being available when called upon. That's what I'm used to. But where I stand today is just this peculiar piece. It just says, God, you know, whatever. I mean, whatever happens, happens. And I think that that's my, my um, I'm not one to make New Year's resolutions. In fact, I abhor them. Um, and I, I mean that with every fiber of my being. If that's, if that's your thing, if that's your jam, well, bless you. God bless you. That's just not something I do, you know. Um, but I, I think that where I am right now in this season, and it may change this week, it may change next month, it may change in December <laughs> 2023. But it's just just having that the peace of God, yes. which passes all understanding. I can't explain to you really in words, um, and perhaps that's why I feel inadequate, is because I, I don't know if I'll be able to really explain to you in words the word God has given me, I feel he's given me for this morning. Um, but just know, and I pray that the, the spirit we felt this morning in praise and worship, that you hold on to that, you maintain that, and you keep that, that spirit of worship and uh, adoration towards God. Amen. I loved, loved seeing families at the altar praying. I love seeing that. Um, and anytime, anytime that happens, it needs to happen more often, but anytime that happens, man, it just does something in me um, to see that because that's where change occurs. That's where, where the peace that I'm, I'm trying to do my best to communicate, that's where that peace is given. That's where those answers are given. That's where that connection to your family, family that prays together, to borrow an old cliche, stays together. Amen. And so we need to be uh, more open to that. But I, I'm, I'm going to preach this morning. And, um, you know, what you see is what you get. Amen. Psalm chapter 16, verse 1. It's termed a miktam of David. And I'll explain what that means here in a minute. But David says here, preserve me, O God, for in thee do I put my trust. Verse 11 says, thou wilt show me the path of life. In thy presence is fullness of joy. At thy right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. The Lord's help. I just want to preach for a few minutes on this thought in his hands. It's a simple exhortation or you can call it a declaration. You can call it a New Year's resolution. <laughs> but I just want to be in his hands. And for many of us, that's a foreign concept. Because again, as I said, we're, we're accustomed to being in charge. We're accustomed to doing things the way we want to do them. Doing things our way. Grabbing hold of the reins of life and, and steering the cart, the proverbial cart, in the direction that we want it to go. We have a hard time uh, really grasping what this means to really and truthfully put your life in his hands. We use our hands for so many different things in, this, in, in our life. I mean, uh, I don't see any, uh, I was going to say unipeds, but I don't see anybody in the house with one hand. We've got two hands, and, and we do 
a lot of things with those things. We eat with these hands. We, we bless with these hands. We, we, we curse with these hands. <laughs> we do a lot of things with these hands. Um, and one of the things we do is try and take control of our own lives. But, you know, the best hands, the best hands that we could be in is Jesus Christ. Amen. And I'll just go ahead and, and tell you, there's not, there's not one person in this room or otherwise who I put all my trust in. And that's saying a lot because I'm a pretty trusting person. Um, even sometimes when, when nature says don't trust, I still tend to. Because I see the, the a lot of times I see the potential. I see the, I, I, I call it being full of hope. Call it willful blindness. I don't know. But I, I see the potential in people and things and, and I trust. I trust, but even with that, I still will not put my whole trust, my whole life in anybody's hands except his. Amen. 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 I don't, I don't, uh, I don't aim to do that. Biblically speaking, the hand is more than just a body part at the end of our arm. Whether in performing tasks, expressing power and authority, or designating purpose and function, the hand is a pervasive picture reflecting the wishes and will of the entire person. What you do with these hands is your choice. How you control your life and how you steer your life, it's your choice. God gives you that choice. But I want, I want my life to be in his hands. I want to say, God, you, you take the reins. You do what it is that you want to do with this life. And that requires me to, to, what comes after that then is, is I need to have a peace. Because God might take you some places you don't want to be. He might take you on a journey that you would otherwise hope to avoid. But he might also take you somewhere where there's the, the grass is in fact greener on the other side. But you don't know until you are willing, you get to the point where you're willing to put your life in his hands because the fact is he knows what he's doing even when I don't even when I don't know what I'm doing and even when I don't know what I don't know what he's doing he knows what he's doing I won't profess to stand here and and and, uh, and say that I have all the answers I've got about 98% of them no I'm kidding no seriously I I, I won't I won't um, I don't have all the answers. I don't know what this life, the purpose of this life is. I don't know the purpose of our existence. I don't know why certain things happen. I don't know why we lose uh, in life, why we lose loved ones. I don't know why we struggle, why we strive, why we push. I, I don't know the motivation to pray. I, I don't know what draws you to the altar. I don't know these things. I don't even know why, why one would be willing to put their hands, their life in the hands of somebody they can't physically see. And yet still, that's my desire. God, I want to be in your hands, is my prayer. I want to be in your hands. You see, I've lived, I've lived in his hands, and I've lived outside of his hands. I know what it's like to, uh, uh, to not have God orchestrate your life. 
to not have God in charge of your life. Outside his hands, there's danger. There's confusion. There's persecution. There's judgment from people that you would put your trust in. There's misplaced desire. There's perversion. There's irresponsibility. There's death on the outside of his hands. There's a fading away of, of one's existence uh, and really a hopeless existence outside of his hands. But in his hands, there's peace. Amen, amen. There's strength. There's protection. This is where I want to be. This is where I want to be. This is where I want my existence to be. I've come to know and learn that there's room enough for me in his hands, all of me. All of my faults, my insecurities, believe it or not, I have them. My doubts, my frustrations, my mistakes. He says there's room enough in my hands for all of who you are. All of who you are fits in his hands. I think it was Tim Spell who wrote an old song and um, the McElroys actually had it sung at their wedding. Only God can unfold the rose or when God unfolds the rose. First verse says, there's been times when I felt my prayer didn't even reach the ceiling of the room where I knelt to pray. And a voice inside kept asking me, did I think God was really listening to anything I had to say? But I just kept on praying and holding on by faith, knowing that God is still in control. Yes, yes, yes. And I waited like a rosebud in a garden because only God can unfold the rose. Yes. The only way that happens is if you're willing to put your life in his hands. The only way something beautiful can happen with your life is if you're willing to put your life in God's hands. Yes. Be willing to trust him, come what may. Today we celebrate and we commemorate and we remember and we reflect on 2022 when we get ready for 2023. I think the best thing we could do this year is put our lives in his hands. All 365, this is not a leap year, is it? All 365 days, put it in his hands. Trust him where he leads you. Let him unfold the rose in your life and do something miraculous. Do something different. Do something powerful yes. in your life yes. to change you from the inside out. Yeah. You're willing to put your life in his hands. You're willing to go where he wants you to go. We give credence and, 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 and um, uh, credit where credit is due. When we talk about Abraham, father of the faithful, and how he was willing to go wherever God told him to go. He was willing to follow wherever God uh, followed or led him. But God invites us to do the same thing. This is just not something that ministers do. It's just not something that those who are called to preach do. This is something that God encourages each and every one of us to do. Abraham didn't know that he would be the father of the faithful when he was following God. Joseph, Joseph didn't know what would happen. He had the end of the dream. 
that his brothers would be worshiping at his feet, but he had no idea what would happen in between. That's right. That's right. From the dream to the fulfillment of the dream, he had no idea what would happen. But he said, I'm going to put my life in his hands. He didn't see that pit. He didn't see the, 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 the judgment and the persecution from his brethren. He didn't see any of that. But he held on to that promise. He waited like a rosebud in the garden. Because he wanted to be in God's hands. Can I tell you that it's possible to be in the room where God is and not be in his hands? It's possible. But we feel the, 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 mm, the moving of his spirit. And yet, giving him control of our lives is foreign to us. Right. We see him moving on others. We see him blessing others and, and mending broken hearts. We see him doing all that for other people. And yet, when it comes to us, it's a foreign idea. It's a foreign concept. I remember the first time I held my wife's hand and how strange that felt. I, I've, you know, her hands are smaller than mine. But just that, that it was just unfamiliar, right? But it felt right. <laughs> just felt right. Didn't know where that, where we would go next. Didn't know she would be my wife. But it just, it just, it just felt right in that, in that time, that first time we held hands. And we go through those seasons in our life with God where, where holding his hand or being in his hand, which is, which is a better place to be. Being in his hand is a, it's, it's a foreign idea to us. It feels weird to give him control. It feels weird to give him the reins. And yet he invites us to do that. And although it might feel weird, it feels right too. This is where you need to be. You need to be in his hands. In his hands, he knows when I'm performing. And when he knows, he knows when I'm operating or when he's operating through me. When I'm in his will and when I'm in man's will, God knows when I'm in his hands. David said, at his right hand are pleasures forevermore. We know that the right hand is the, is the, the position, typically the position of authority in the Bible. And, and, and when you're really, you really following Psalms chapter 16, there's a lot of this imagery there about being at the right hand of God. Being at the right hand of God. David says, I'm here, and God is at my right hand. What is he saying? I'm giving God the, the position of authority in my life. But then he says, there are pleasures at God's right hand. But I don't, I don't want to be where the pleasures are. I don't want to be in the seat of authority. I don't want to be at God's right hand. That would put me in the, in the seat of authority. I want to be in his hand. Held by him. Protected by him. Upheld by him. Strengthened by him. That's where I want to be. In his hands. And, and here's what I feel right now. Here's what I feel right now. I wonder if, if some people would, wouldn't mind praying with your family. 
right here in this moment. And just saying, God, whatever comes over the next 364 days, would you put my family in your hands? We don't have to wait till, till, till I'm done to do this. We can do this right now. Why don't you grab your family? If you don't have a family, just go ahead and get adopted this morning. Just join somebody. Are there any mutes in the house? Anybody unable to speak? Okay, good. Well, let's pray. Let's all pray together with your mouth, your hands. Lord, I pray right now in Jesus' name. Would you orchestrate our lives this morning, God? Would you orchestrate our lives in this year, Lord? Would you help us, Jesus, to be willing to forfeit the reins of our lives? Be willing to give you total and complete control. We felt you moving in the room this morning. We felt you operating in the spiritual realm this morning, God, and, and binding us together and bringing us together with a threefold cord that is not easily broken. And God, I pray, would you continue to build upon that right now in this moment, God? I pray in Jesus' name, would you, would you set us up as a family, as a family of God, to be willing to put our lives in your hands. Be willing to put what we want to do, our desires in your hands, our, our frustrations in your hands, our wins in your hands, our losses in your hands. God, everything that we are, be willing to put our lives in your hands, our hearts in your hands, God. Our, pray that, our prayer this morning, God, is to, is to let your will be done truly and totally and completely in our lives this morning. We don't know. We don't know, God, what tomorrow's going to bring. We don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. We don't know what's going to happen in June or July or August. But, God, let this thing, let us rest with a surety in this claim that when we are in your hands, there's no need to worry. There's no need to fret. For you can give us a peace that passes all understanding. In Jesus' name. Everybody said, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Mm. Psalm 16 is described by the biblical writers as a miktam of David. This word only appears at the beginning of Psalm 16 and Psalm 56 through 60. Only these psalms have this word mentioned. David writes this type of Psalter at specific points in his life. The meaning of this word is not exactly clear. And, and even among uh, modern Hebrew scholars, they don't really know what this word means. However, it does seem to highlight the psalmist's acknowledgement that God alone is able to atone and protect. God alone is able to atone and to protect. This word, atonement, we've heard it broken down so many times before, and I just want to do it again here. It's a, it's a, it's a reparation for wrong or injury. Wrong done to you and wrong done by you. What it embodies is this idea of at-one-ment. At-one-ment. It's a reconciliation with God. Yeah. The Most High. That's right. Mm -hmm. The one in whom our actions uh, offend Right. More commonly, more frequently. But this word at one meant to be at one with God, to be at one with God is to be in his hands, yeah. to be held by him, to be carried by him, to be upheld by him. When we're one with God, 
the enemy cannot prevail against us. 2 Samuel 22, verse 3, the God of my rock, he says, in him will I trust. He is my shield and the horn of my salvation, my high tower and my refuge, my savior. Thou savest me from violence. Psalm 3, 3, but thou, O Lord, art a shield for me, my glory and the lifter of mine head. Psalm 144 and 2, my goodness and my fortress, my high tower and my deliverer, my shield and he in whom I trust, who subdueth my people under me. You see, there is no offense or offense when, you're in, when God is your defense. I'm going to say that again. There is no offense or offense when God is your defense. There is nothing that can come against you. When God is your defense, he is your shield protecting you. There is no play in Satan's playbook that can offend you or that can overcome God's plan for your life. When you decide to put your life in his hands, nothing can offend you. No judgment from a brother. No miscommunication. No curse brought about by Satan's witches. <laughs> Nothing can offend you when you're in God's hands because he is your shield. He subdues the enemy under you. It's not your doing. It's his strength because he bears the weight of all of our woes. He bears the weight of all of our worries. Psalm 55, 22, cast thy burden upon the Lord and he shall sustain thee. He shall never suffer the righteous to be moved. When we're in his hands. The only way you get out of God's hands is if you decide to move out of God's hands. That's right. Don't give Satan credit for, for taking you out of God's hands. No, he can't do that. He literally cannot do that. Because God is a shield. He is a shield against all that. Psalm or 1 Peter 5, 6 through 7. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Just throw it at him. All of your cares, all of your worries. Right. Having family issues, give it to Jesus. Yes. Right. Yes. Yes. Marital problems, give it to Jesus. On, Doubts and fears and worries. Your family's being ravaged by sickness. That's my family. Right. We've been sick. Well, they have. I haven't been sick. <laughs> Been sick for about a month and a half now. Up and down, up and down, RSV, sinusitis, you name it. They got it. And yet God is still in control. I cast my cares on him, for he is able. Thank you for your word this morning, Brother Byer. He is able friend of mine once said, you know, uh, we can cast our cares on God because his he's got the biggest biceps in the world. And he does. There's nothing too heavy for him, nothing too hard for him, nothing he can't handle when you're in his hands. And there's another position you can take too. And God will take a position. When you decide to remove yourself from his hands, God will lift his hands and say, okay. <laughs> right. Brother Alton Golden, you guys hear me talk about him often. He, he, he always used to say, God's the perfect gentleman. 
He'll never, he'll never impose himself upon you. You don't want to be in his hands? Whew, good luck. Man, but as for me in my house, I want to be in his hands. I want to be in God's hands. But again, David writes these miktams in Psalms 56 through 60 at specific points in his life. And there's a pattern to each of them. I'm not going to go through each of them, but I do want to read Psalm 56. The pattern is this. David pleads with God and then he praises God. And sometimes we need to get to that point where we, 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 we quit the pleading and start praising. Or we stop complaining and we start praising. You know, God knows what we have need of before we even ask. So a simple God hears the issue will suffice. We should spend more time, in other words, praising than pleading. Amen. Spend more, more time thanking God yes. than complaining to God. Spend more time giving honor and, and praise and, and testifying of what, about what God is going to do, even if he hasn't done it yet. You want to talk about the spirit of prophecy, just go ahead and prophesy that what you are praying for is going to come to pass. Just claim your testimony before you even see it. Claim your win and your victory before it even happens. That's where I want to be. That's what I want to get to. And I get it. I know we go through seasons. We go through these seasons where we take ourselves out of God's hands and we, we find ourselves pleading more and, and oh, and travailing. Man, that stuff, it's, it's necessary. It's important to intercede for yourself and for others. But man, would you, would, you, would you get beyond that? Stop pleading and start praising. Psalm 56, David writes this, when the Philistines took David to Gath. If you read 1 Samuel chapter 21, David was so afraid of the king of Achish, that he behaves like a madman. We're familiar with the story. He's on the run. This is in the early part of his, his, his uh, flight, if you will, from Saul who wanted to take him out. And he arrives in the land of the Philistines, the house of King Achish. The Bible says he was so afraid of the king, of what he might do, that he began to act like a madman. But sometime after that, David writes this psalm where he pleads for deliverance. Psalm 56, 1 through 2. Be merciful unto me, O God, for man would swallow me up. He fighting daily oppresseth me. Mine enemies would daily swallow me up, for they be many that fight against me, O thou most high. But then the praise in verse 4. He says, in God I will praise his word. In God, I have put my trust. I will not fear what flesh can do unto me. Verse 12, thy vows are upon me, O God. I will render praises unto thee. For thou hast delivered my soul from death. Wilt not thou deliver my feet from falling, that I may walk before God in the light of the living. David says, there's all these dudes against me. All these people against me. All these people desiring to kill me. Can, I, can we just be honest and say sometimes fear grips us? Let's just be honest. Fear grabs a hold of our heart, grabs a hold of our mind, grabs a hold of our plans. And it's debilitating. It causes us to act like madmen, mad women. Which way do we go? 
Which way do we turn? We're scratching at the door. Hoping that somebody might answer and give us, give us a way out. Give us some deliverance from this fear and this dread that we feel. But David being gripped by fear becomes aware of the fact that as long as he remains in God's hands, he will be delivered. We need to take up the same position and say, as long as I remain in God's hands, I will be delivered. Yes, I can look up. I can see all of the, the, the dreadful things and the, the fearful things that are beyond me. But as long as I remain in God's hands, I will be delivered. If fear determines your every move, get back in God's hands. If fear grips you and determines your choices, get back in God's hands. Get in his hands. David writes Psalm 57 when he fled from Saul in the cave. This is the immediate next chapter of 1 Samuel chapter 21. He says in the shadow, in Psalm 57:1, he says, in the shadow of thy wings will I make my refuge. Until these calamities be overpassed. Anybody overwhelmed? <laughs> by calamities. Overwhelmed by frustration. Overwhelmed by failure. David said in Psalm 57, 4, My soul is among lions. I lie even among them that are set on fire. Even the sons of men whose teeth are spears and arrows and their tongue a sharp sword. In other words, I took this to mean people will put you on a pedestal to roast you. Right. Come on. Literally and figuratively. They will lift you up to roast you, to cook you, as they say. But no, but to also, to also roast you in the sense of, of, hmm. Making jokes about you. Casting judgment on you. Who does he think he is? Who does she think he, she is? They're not so special after all. They will put you on a pedestal to roast you. But David said in Psalms 57, 5, Be thou exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let thy glory be above all the earth. David said, I don't even want to be on that pedestal. People have put me there to roast me. People have put me there to cast judgment. People have put me there on a pedestal, high and lifted up. Not because they want to give honor, but because they plan to do me harm. I'm surrounded by lions, he says. His remedy was to pray, God, you be exalted. God, you take, you take this whipping for me. Won't he do it? He already has. Yes, he Those scars on his back from that cat of nine tails, yeah, that was for you. That was for me. I want to be in his hands. Psalm 60. When Joab, David writes this, when Joab, an officer over David's army, returned and smote 12,000 Edomites in the Valley of Salt. Here David pleads for God's presence. First, David pleads 
for deliverance. They need pleas for God's mercy. And here in Psalm 60, he pleads for God's presence. Psalm 61, O God, thou hast cast us off. Thou hast scattered us. Thou hast been displeased. O turn thyself to us again. In other words, God, you have removed us from your presence. You have removed us from your hands. You, O God, have caused us to see trouble. You, O God, have caused us to see despair and destruction. And when does this happen? When we are removed from his hands. But then he says in verse 4, God, you planted a flag, a banner to rally your people. Can I say this? The victory comes with God's help. The victory comes when we are in his hands. David said, oh God, give us help against the enemy. For rescue by man is worthless. <laughs> Psalm 60, 11. Rescue by man is worthless. Can I tell you, if anybody in this building is waiting on Washington to figure out what direction to take this country, you've, 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 it's misplaced trust. It's misplaced faith. The RNC, that's the Republican National Convention, they won't figure it out. The DNC, that's the Democratic National Convention, they won't figure it out. But JC did. He figured it out. Would you put your life in his hands? And, and that looks like for you different than what it looks like for me. I don't know what that looks like to you. I don't know what that looks like to your family. And maybe that's why it's so hard to, to communicate this idea. But you know, you know where you need to trust God more. You know. And God knows. And he's inviting you and saying, here's my hands. They're wide open for you. Your unique situation. Your unique perspective. My hands are wide open for you. It's an open invitation. I want to be in his hands. Amen. Rescue by man is worthless. I can't save you. Pastor can't save you. We can pray for you. But you're going to put your life in God's hands. You're going to have to put that situation in God's hands. You call me. You text me. My response typically is, I'm praying for you. And I mean it. Nine times out of ten, I stop what I'm doing in that moment and I pray lest I forget. And then I'll be a liar. But outside of that, you've got to put your life in God's hands. Church, I hope you hear me. I hope you hear me this morning. But Psalm 16, and I'm wrapping up. Psalm 16 acts as an anchor for the rest of the meekdoms that David writes. And returning to our opening text, David uses Psalm 16 as an anchor and a reminder that God is able to atone and protect when the righteous are in his hands. He says, preserve me, Psalm 16:1. preserve me, O God, for in thee do I put my trust. 
I've got a question for you, church. If you're not in God's hands, where are you? Where are you? David would go on to say in the same chapter, the same psalm, when you put your trust in another God, your sorrows will be multiplied. We need to quit shopping for a place to belong. Where we belong is in his hands. Quit looking. Quit, quit. If, if you're like me, my shopping most of the time is just window shopping. Because I don't like to spend money. But we treat, we treat God the same way. We window shop. We go around trying to buy all these off-brand deities. All these off-brand gods. Man. Self. Money. But God is saying, I'm the real deal. I'm the real McCoy. Get it. Uh, I say this, uh, but one recent president said to a constituency, what else do you have to lose? You've tried everything else. What else do you have to lose? Can I tell you you've only got to gain? When you put your life in God's hands, you've only got gain. Why, why have your sorrows multiplied by trusting in other gods? Take self off the altar. Take your, your financial blessings off the altar. Take your strengths and your talents off the altar. Take your worries off the altar. Yeah, those are deities too. Take your mistakes off the altar. Put yourself and your life in God's hands. David said in Psalm 16, 8, I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I shall not be moved. In other words, when I open my eyes, all I see him. All I see is him because he is in the seat of authority. is him. If you were encouraged by this message and you would like to connect with Ephesus Church or you would like to get in contact with the leadership of this church, please visit EphesusChurch.com. Thank you for being a part 